guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. We've got a fun OC rewind for you guys today. We're going to talk about some news over the last week, which includes rotary engines, paper bags, Mustangs crashing, which is nothing new, spaceships, Jeeps, and more. Wow. And uh, before we get into the news, what have we got? We have our sponsor, Omaze. So what is Omaze? Omaze is a fundraising platform that offers once-in-a-lifetime experiences, including, of course, Dreamworthy cars. As you know, if you listen to last Friday's episode. That's right. Yeah, the- including a 1968 bullet Mustang. Yes. So they have, they being Gas Monkey Garage and Richard Rawlings have put together this 600 horsepower beast of a Mustang as a tribute to the iconic car Steve McQueen drove in the movie Bullet. I thought it's so cool that they went and drove it around in San Francisco and jumped it and did everything. I didn't everything. know any of it's, that. It's it's killer. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, they redid all the stunts from the movie with this car, and it sounds killer. It sounds awesome. And, of course, it goes to a good cause. If you listened last week, it goes to Gas Monkey Garage Foundation, which goes to support Alzheimer's research and empowering veterans. So if you were to win this thing, Chris, Omaze even covers the shipping and taxes so you don't have to spend a penny. I thought you were going to ask me if I was going to take it off any sweet jumps when you looked at me and said that. (laughs) Okay, will you? (laughs) Absolutely. Although I don't think I'm eligible to win. Probably not. So how do you win? Well, head over to omaze.com slash overcrest to check it out. And with a donation of just $10, you're entered to win. That's omaze.com slash overcrest. And as we said, more importantly, you're giving to a good cause. Winning a car is just an added benefit. But be sure to enter to win and use the code OVERCREST50 to get 50 bonus entries. Yeah, more chances to win. Absolutely. All right, so there's been a rule change at Le Mans. Le Mans. And this is for the uh, the hypercar class. Right. The new hypercar class. So tell me what the rule change is. So so I'm going to talk about the rule change, and then I kind of... Like went down this rabbit hole of looking at other rules. So I'm going to kind of go through some of the things that I thought were interesting in this rule change uh, amongst other things. So the FIA World Endurance Championship has further defined its Le Mans hypercar formula by releasing an updated set of technical regulations for the class. The Le Mans Mans hypercar technical document charts the production specifications for both prototype-based and prototype-styled machinery, while another set of documents outlines the rules for the grandfathered hybrid and non-hybrid LMP1 cars. Here's the interesting rule change, though. Rotary engines are once again going to be allowed into the new category, which is to replace LMP1 as the top class of the WEC and the 24 Hours of Le Mans for the 2021 season. Other new rules include the use of bespoke engines, the optional use of hybrid systems, and the and a balance of performance system that can add up to 50 kilograms onto the original weight of cars. So what is a bespoke engine? Build it, run it. Wow. So there are a few rules with the bespoke engine uh, set up if you want. Basically, you just design whatever you want. Right. It doesn't have to be any sort of production, it. anything. Awesome. I mean, it's, it's, that is awesome. It is amazing. So the engine design is free. Yep. means you do whatever you want. V27. <laughs> yes, yeah. I suppose you could do that. Um, for the following restrictions apply. Okay. Only petrol four-stroke engines are permitted. So it's got to be four-stroke. they rotary. Yeah, but that's, that's kind of a four-stroke. I guess it is still technically a four-stroke. Another rule is, with the exception of incidental leakage through joints, either into or out of the system, 
all and only the air entering the engine inlet must enter the combustion chambers. I thought that was interesting, with the exception of incidental leakage through joints. So I know why they had this rule in here. I was hoping you would. What is it? So in WRCs, the World Rally Championship, back in I don't know, the early 2000s, they have restrictors, basically, that tell you how much air can enter you know, yeah, it's a restrictor plate. Right. However, here's what Ford did to get around this. Mm. They put the restrictor plate in front of a turbocharger. Okay. It can only suck in so much air. Yeah. But then they piped it into a storage tank that was basically pressurized. So then when they're off boost, they use the storage tank to still have the engine under compression. So they're basically saying all the air has to go into the combustion chamber and can't be in some storage tank to use for later. It still says only the air entering the engine inlet must enter the combustion chamber. So if it doesn't in, so if it goes through the inlet and then goes into the storage tank yes. and then into the engine, that still sounds like it's okay. Mm, I don't know about that. Yeah, well, we'll see. Um, pistons must respect Article 513, which is just about materials. Um, titanium alloys are not permitted. Why not? Well, don't you want this thing to be like as no holds barred as possible? Maybe it's I guess it can't be cost because all this stuff is like a bajillion dollars. Um, rotor seals on rotary engines may be manufactured from a ceramic material. There you go. Variable geometry devices are not allowed except for rotary engines. How do you have a variable geometry rotary? I do not. But I want to see one. <laughs> the engine must not have more than two inlet and two exhaust valves per cylinder. Only reciprocating poppet valves with axial displacement are permitted, which basically means you can't have like a hydraulic or pneumatic um, valve. Basically, the, you can't have the a hydraulic uh, valve. Timing. Actually, they're not saying that. They're just saying you can't have rotary valves. They're not saying anything about how the valves are actuated. It just has to be a, a mechanical valve. You're, you're right. The sealing interface between the moving valve component and the stationary engine component must be circular. So you have to have round valves. Which I don't know why you'd want anything but a round valve. I don't I've, I'm, I'm guessing it's been tried. Oval a valves. Square valve. <laughs> <laughs> How can we make this suck? We're not suck in this case. Electromagnetic and hydraulic valve actuation systems are forbidden. There you go. Okay. Uh, no fuel injectors are permitted downstream of the exhaust valves or of the inlet or of the exhaust port inlet on a rotary engine. So you cannot use um, like anti-lag anti exactly, type yeah, situations going on. Boost. With the exception of rotary engines, the ignition is only permitted by means of a single ignition coil and single spark plug per cylinder. No more than five sparks per cylinder per engine cycle are permitted. The use of plasma, laser, or other high-frequency ignition techniques is forbidden. With the exception of rotary. It does not say with the exception of rotary. So, With the exception of rotary engines, the ignition is only permitted by means of a single blah, blah. Spark plug per cylinder. But, oh. And then there's a period. So I guess, I mean, that could almost be up for debate. Do you mean that you, can I use laser spark plugs like the rotaries did back in the day? Yeah. I mean, that's really that's interesting. But the point is, is that, hey... Mazda has wanted to do yeah, we cool shit. We have them quoted as saying, we want to use a rotary again. Here we go. Yes. Bring it. Let's come on, Mazda. They will. Let's bring this rotary to sure hope they will. and compete with only Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, this might actually bring more. Oh, we'll see. Other manufacturers have talked about coming back with the hypercar class. Yeah. We'll see if that ends up happening or not. I didn't Very look cool. into it. 
So F1 boss Jean Tote says F1 will remain hybrid for at least 10 years, if not well beyond. He said it could be decades. Um, he basically goes on to say something along the lines of, you know, there's no electric engines that are capable of 300 kilometers an hour. Mm. Um, there's not one electric race car able to do that. It will be decades before it can happen. Um, today, hybrid is the proper choice. The next step is to see how we can secure greener fuels, he said. Interesting. Tote view is backed by Mercedes F1 chief Andy Cowell who reckons that the sport can make great gains in developing biosustainable energy in the future. Speaking to motorsport.com about Tote's prediction of F1 not going electric for decades, Cowell said, it's all down to the storage technology. If it's lithium ion, then his time frame is correct. So they're basically saying there's no way lithium ion is going to be able to do anything with Formula One with the power right. up that they have, with the speeds that they need to reach. Right. There's just, there's no way. If you go for a hydrogen solution, then it can be done today. But the cars will be a lot heavier and a lot bulkier than they are today. At and when they crash, you'll <laughs> see the Hindenburg. <laughs> At which point, I think you lose the F1 aspect of it. So I think that is why the steps we're taking for 2021 are important, where we're introducing 10% biosustainable fuel, which I guess is ethanol. I, it's yeah, like E85. If we can, with the next generation of power units, develop an engine around that 100% sustainable fuel, then there's a huge amount of carbon dioxide that we could convert into liquid hydrocarbon-based fuel. So let's leave all the carbon that's captured in the earth in the form of gas and crude oil, oil and so on. Let's just leave that there. The planet has done a great job of capturing that. So let's capture some of the sky rather than out of the ground. Okay. <laughs> Jesus, man. That's some propaganda stuff right there. Uh, it yeah. It sure feels good, I guess, to say that. Um, let's create liquid fuels that are 60% thermal efficient engine, at which point it's not about throwing internal combustion away. It's about adapting that and the petrochemical companies adapting to carbon capture and so on. I think that's the 10 to 20 year future. And I wonder if this guy has seen any automotive news in the last <laughs> 10 years where everybody's talking about the complete and utter death of the combustion engine. Yeah. So I'm wondering what's going on here, because if you think about it, F1 and Formula One is testbed for like cutting edge technology that then trickles down. I don't know. I think are they seeing like we can't go electric now because the uh, Formula E is already a thing? I, so they have to defend their position somehow? Well, Formula E is nowhere near the performance of Formula One. It's no, not even but, in the same zip but code. But they can't just say, oh, okay, now we're actually just going to do all electric. Formula E would say, no, that's that's us. Well, no, I don't think so because that's there's lots know. of different combustion engine race things going on. True. I mean, there's different tiers of, of, of the combustion engine being in racing. So I don't think that's it. I just I don't see how they can go in the next 10 to 20 years doing combustion engine stuff with everything every manufacturer has been saying as we'll hear later with what jeep is doing everybody by 2025 2030 is moving away from this right. so where's the funding from the manufacturer going to come from to continue to develop combustion engine technology well their race teams are usually generally totally different than any of their other think about it no no they, they have they're beholden to the company with what the, the direction of the company where the direction of the company is going goest motorsport there's no way somebody's going to write a blank check to mercedes for 150 million or 400 million dollars or whatever it is well, i guess with the new cap now it's 175 million or something no one's gonna be like yep go ahead and spend 175 million dollars on something that has nothing to do with what we're selling it's kind of what they're doing right now with formula one your engine in your grandpa Mercedes does not resemble that Formula One engine in any way. What, what grandpa's Mercedes? Oh, my. Gr I thought you any grandpa's Mercedes. <laughs> any of them. I think that your 
seeing some of that technology trickle down with the way that you have You're supposed to be. Well, you see the mild hybrid systems that are in some of the new Mercedes. That yeah. that research must come from Formula One stuff that they're doing. In a way, it could. So I'm just I'm. It's I, the whole, I understand. Yeah, it's like, the whole race how is on this Sunday. guy saying twenty years in the future? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be this green fuel thing, guys. It's it feels good to say it. Maybe they're just trying to be like, hey, we can't do this with electric. We can't <laughs> we can't maintain our audience by doing this. So we're just gonna say this and see what happens. Yeah, that's kind of what it feels like to me. So um, BMW is doubling down. I guess at this point we're like quadrupling down on the engine grills <laughs> <laughs> on the size of their grills. They are basically saying people love them. Oh. So Which, they're just la 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 la. I don't know what you're saying. Everybody <laughs> loves them. <laughs> they have completely different friends than I do, apparently. So uh, Henrik uh, told Heinrich. Heinrich told Autocar that he was convinced this bold styling direction under design boss Adrian van Huydonk that was, was the good. right way to go, and that the customer data showed it was being well received. Well, Huydonk is full of hui. Well, not if they're selling in China. Yeah, this is crucial for success. He said BMW customers are demanding. They want to express something and are not afraid of vehicles with strong characters. They are still looking for it. So we have decided to focus even more on strong characters and bold design. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I can't imagine what this means. When asked if BMW would apply such radical design to next generation versions of its traditionally more conservative modules, such as the five series, Henrik said it was important. Heinrich. Heinrich said it was Henrik. Jesus. Uh, I think it's Henrik because Hein would be H E I. Henrik said it was important. Each model. But this is BMW. <laughs> got its own character. The design team with Adrian van Huydonk do an excellent job <laughs> in designing and defining that character. The only person that would design <laughs> Cars that look like this is named Huidonk. I mean, yep. there's no other way. When first shown, the X7 people said, how big is that kidney girl? Uh -huh. The customers never reacted like that, and the car is a great success. It sold uh. out for a very long period, and people love it. If it's sold out, people love it. There's no, I mean, people have bad taste. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to. There are always people specifically looking for something critical and afraid of something new, but we are all very self-confident and will continue. Basically, la, 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 la. Exactly. <laughs> however, however, the however. unusual grill of BMW BMW's 2018 Vision iNext, which, can we not do the eye stuff anymore? Can it not be the eye with the thing? Can I we know. just... But, but Chris, it. it's injected. It, it's not injected by anything <laughs> except poor design. That's what it used to mean, was it was injected. When you had, you know, the... No, it meant it was an iPhone. That's where the I came from is the iPhone. No, BMWs have had I in front of their new. Not as a prefix. No. No, oh, you're right. It's the, like, the 330i. Right. You're which right. Means I got you. I'm talking about the i next, like iP iPad, iPhone. And I just, I don't like the i thing. It sounds so cheap. It's such a cop out mm -hmm. um, in marketing. This previews, it previewed a large electric SUV in 2021, and it, but has abandoned the, uh, the design following feedback. Design chief. Magaj Dukek has revealed. I'm really bad with names. <laughs> the girl's device of design, which had an autonomous driving sensor covering most of the vertical bars separating the kidney girls. Now, this was the first time um, in the, any of the new cars that the, the the kidney girl was like super into one thing. Like it came up and then it was merged into oh, one. Oh, yeah, I remember this. So it wasn't it was separated like an anymore. Yeah, it was completely different. Um, we test what works aesthetically, they said. Reinventing our icons and form language. We connected the kidneys because of the sensors. But we've decided not to do it. It wasn't considered to be a BMW kidney girl anymore. Instead, the next i4 and iX3 will get separated kidneys the size of Montana with sensors <laughs> that can be seen through the chrome. So we'll see cool. how things go. So I've long thought that this was true. 
this next story. Slow drivers, this is in the UK, uh-huh. are being blamed for more deaths than ever before. Mm-hmm. Slow drivers are killing or maiming more people than ever before on our roads. The number of people dying or being seriously injured in crashes caused by motorists going at far less than the speed limit has soared 75% in the last five years. Uh, Last year, 26 people were seriously hurt and another 132 people were less seriously injured in smashes. I love the UK. They call it a smash. Smash. I had a guy smash. You know what's weird, though? Because smashing is also good. Yeah. So you can have a smash, but you can be smashing. What is a smashing smash? (laughs) (laughs) And then also... You can smash. You can. <laughs> I think that's distinctly American. <laughs> Dawdling motorists are believed to uh, trigger tailgating, undertaking. What's undertaking? Because when I think about undertaking, it means carrying a dead body into a hole. <laughs> no, I is wonder. That going on the, is that going on the outside, like I, on the Yeah, so I strips? think if you overtake someone, you go in the left lane where you're passing them. You're overtaking ah, them. So you undertaking. undertaking I imagine you're going to the right. Okay. Um, congestion and road rage, which can lead to serious traffic incidents. So before you go on, I want to make the point, because you're correct, and I think they are too, obviously, by the stats, mm-hmm. but it's not speed that kills. It's the difference in speed. Yeah, we've talked about and that before. And it just comes down sure. to the fact that there are more people going slower than the speed limit than there are people going faster significantly than the speed limit. Right. So it, it doesn't matter. If there were more people speeding this much more, then speed would kill because they're going faster than the majority. Well, as long as everybody's going the same speed, it doesn't exactly. really it doesn't really matter. Um, Hugh Bladone, a founder member of the Alliance of British Drivers, said, I'm not in the least bit surprised by these worrying statistics. Driving too slowly is basically selfish and downright stupid and is a recipe for disaster. I've advocated for a long time that driving too slowly causes frustration for other people and can cause them to attempt an overtaking maneuver, which is the most dangerous thing you can do on the roads. Well, which goes right to your point. Unless if you it's have an to, undertaking maneuver. Yeah, well, both of those are anytime you're anytime you're making a move yep. is when danger can occur Um, low speed limits cause a problem as do people traveling slowly because they are towing items such as caravans but there are also people who are not particularly confident on the roads Mm. and they drive slowly because they are nervous although setting more realistic speed limits where this limit is appropriate to the road rather than the whim of some do-gooder that would also help yeah a lot of speed limits get set by noise it's like noise oh, regulations, yeah. as we know by our... 50- we did a history episode about this where it was the only portion of the interstate. We did a whole history episode on the interstate roadway system. The only part of the interstate system... In the entire United in States. In the entire United States... That's 55. That is slower... No, it's 45, than isn't it? 55 is right in downtown St. Paul. And it's Paul. because of noise. Yes. Which is just a bunch of like cake eaters up on the hill that don't want to hear the cars below the house that they bought, which the freeway existed when they bought the house. They just got upset about it. Um, so I've long held that speeding isn't what caused accidents. It's nervousness that leads to indecision. That's yeah. And driving, driving while distracted. Those two things. Obviously you've got the drunk drivers and stuff like that, but I really think nervousness and indecision are a huge problem. People, Oh, I don't know. Should I merge over? And then all of a sudden they do. It's like a deer in headlights. Yeah. It's, they just, it's a lack of confidence. It's nervous. They drive slow because of it, and they're they're a danger. And I think they should be ticketed just as much as someone who's speeding. One hundred percent. So on to some sad news here, Chris. The legendary safety pioneer Bill Simpson has died. So if you've ever looked at any racing equipment, you probably recognize the name Simpson. And Bill grew up as an orphan in California. By the late nineteen fifties, Simpson had started getting into drag racing when he broke both arms when he was only 18 years old. So that led him to initial safety ideas of mounting a parachute behind the car to slow it down. And soon enough, 
was adopted by the entirety of the NHRA. However, it was in the 1960s when Bill had his big breakthrough. Astronaut Pete Conrad introduced Bill to a fire retardant material called Nomex. So you have to realize that prior to this, drivers in all manner of major motorsport were dying at alarming rate due to fire because they either drove in a t-shirt and uniform that basically gave no protection So at, at that time, back in the day, you wanted to be thrown from the car so you didn't burn alive in a magnesium oven. Yeah. I mean, that's basically you're, what it came down yeah, to. You, wanted to be, you didn't want to be stuck in the car. Right. So Bill Simpson, he began cranking out these Nomex suits, and by 1967, 30 out of the 33 starters on the Indy 500 were wearing them. Who are the three that were just... Nah, I'm yeah, gonna... yeah, who's these guys? Yeah, I'm just sticking with my T-shirt. Quote, we never ever thought about safety, and I didn't chase Bill Simpson, but thankfully he chased us and made us think said bobby unser whose career began in the lethal 60s nobody paid any attention to him at first but then we had to take a serious look at him because he was so smart the things he was doing changed racing and he was the best in the world he did more for racing safety than anyone he was the man he also adds that we were wearing levi's and other leather jackets and he saved my ass a time or two with his nomex suit so Bill had a notoriously combative attitude and drew the ire of the USAC when, quote, he set himself on fire at turn one just to prove the effectiveness of his suit. <laughs> I guess that's one way to get the word across. I, I like the idea of this guy. He also, quote, kept that's a, viral marketing right oh, there. Oh, heck yeah. He also kept the USAC charter plane waiting for over an hour in Argentina because he was trying to sweet talk a young lady into flying home with him. Did he? Did she go? They eventually got married. Oh, well, it was <laughs> worth it then. In addition to fire suits, Simpson branched out into, of course, gloves, shoes, seat belts, and helmets. Simpson safety products were used worldwide. I'm used to seeing the helmets and the harnesses. Yep, That's the, the two harnesses. things that I see. The white helmet with the red Simpson logo yes. on it is iconic. Yes, it is. However, here's something I didn't know about Simpson. All right. Everything changed for him in 2001. That year, on the last lap of the Indy 500, Dale Earnhardt was killed in a crash that changed the course of Simpson's life. You see, despite the fact that Earnhardt used a seat that was terribly unsafe, and he was also notorious for loosening his seatbelts during a race, NASCAR officials blamed Simpson seatbelts for the death of NASCAR's biggest star, Dale Earnhardt. Oh, man, the weight of that of an entire... Ooh. So, think of NASCAR fans. They actually basically were giving death threats out to Bill Simpson. The man who'd been saving lives. Yes, because they blamed him for Dale Earnhardt's death. He resigned from the company. Quote, the Earnhardt thing broke his heart, took him down to his knees, recalled Prudhomme. But it didn't deter his will to prove NASCAR was merely looking for a scapegoat, which of course they were. So he sued NASCAR for defamation of character in 2003. Quote, those people declared war on me, but they know what kind of fight they're in for, he said in 2004 interview. Everyone who has ever dealt with NASCAR has acquiesced to them because they think they're bulletproof, and nobody will stand up to them. They brought me to my knees like nobody else has ever done, but I'm pretty mean, son of a bitch, and they fucked with the wrong guy. I like this guy. Yes, I do. I mean, it takes a lot of... You have to, to stand up to someone like NASCAR, the brand, Yeah. as someone that's trying to make money doing stuff with that brand. Yeah. It's a big deal. The $9 million suit was settled out of court, and while terms were never divulged, Simpson always smiled when asked how it went. I wonder, did NASCAR ever have to say, I'm sorry? I, I guess know. if they had settled out of court, it's... Then no. 
Because I think Earnhardt died because he didn't have a... That's kind of where they started doing the... The Hans device. The Hans device was Correct. because basically... His neck snapped. His neck snapped in the yes. accident. What's... What was he supposed to do with that technology? Didn't exist at the time. Right. How would the harness so what did they his do? shoulders? They just, I don't know. They blame the seatbelts then. <sighs> Quote, he worked hard and had a good mind. It didn't go where the normal mind went, said Don the Snake Prudahome, the drag racing legend who was one of Simpson's best and oldest friends. Question. What is my name? Chris the what Cluel? <laughs> is it the snake the or stubborn. the viper or the stubborn? The- the stubborn? Chris the stubborn. Oh, that's more. <laughs> that's like some medieval stuff. Like that, that would go on like my family crest yeah, or something. Yeah, Chris the that's stubborn. That's no fun. I want to be an animal of some sort. Anyway. No. Quote, now he was hard-headed and, don't, and I'd get mad at him. But then he would do something really good, which was often, and we'd like him again. He'd piss people off one day and save a bunch of lives the next. That was Bill Simpson. I like it. And, you know, legendary man. Everybody, you know, we're all going to die someday. And... For a guy to leave behind a legacy of saving lives is about as good as it gets. Absolutely. All right. That was a great article by Jake the Short. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay. All right. So the $44 million Ferrari is missing its gearbox. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So a 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO, considered one of the most desirable cars ever built, is the subject of a high court dispute over its missing gearbox. Now, I sent a message to our friend Kevin Caulfield, who was in the the other, and he just goes, oh, it's it's a shame. (laughs) That's what he said. He didn't have much much to say about it. Um, Gregor Fiskin, 55, a racing driver based in Kensington, West London. Now, I tried to look this guy up and see what he does. It just says businessman and race car driver. So he's raced at Le Mans and stuff like that. Oh, Really? I'm just wondering, you know, businessman, race car driver buys $44 million Ferrari. Yeah, he's pretty wild. Yeah. So Gregor Fiskin, a 55-year-old racing driver based in Kensington, West London, paid $44 million or 37 million pounds for you Brits for the car in October of 2017, matching the world record price at auction for a similar car. Now, we... I'm thinking that's kind of under the table that didn't the guy from WeatherTech buy one for like 80 million? Oh, really? I'm pretty sure that there's other that. cars that go sideways for more money than because oh, this wow. is official. This yeah. is a like public sale. Britain's The Sunday Times reports that while a deal for the gearbox was discussed between the seller, renowned collector and lawyer Bernard Carl and Fiskin, there were details that went unironed. There should be in a $44 million deal. Oh, yeah. Whatever it is. Everything. There should be there should be, be, there should be irons all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I'm trying to understand. Was the car incomplete when you bought it? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I think it was just or that was it wasn't it just the matching like, transmission. Okay. I was thinking like after the, the sale, the guy's like, we well, didn't say anything about the transmission. <laughs> he, he took, took it, it out. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Heaps of fees were said to be proposed for each involved party with a large point of contention being who would pay the $25,000 release fee to the holder of the part. So some guy is holding on to the part. So here's what I'm thinking happened. Okay. He's like, he's, I've got this $44 million car. Uh-huh. All right. It's got a transmission in it, but it's not the right one. Okay. But I, but I know the guy that's got it. See, okay. So we can get that original we can get transmission. It for you. Um, awesome. It's, but it's going to cost you another $25,000. That's Pocket change it, you're compared right. to you know 44. You're right here. Shake my hand. Uh-huh. All right. Good. We got We're it. Good. Just grab okay, it for cool. me later. All right. Fiskin's stance is that Carl should have retrieved the transmission in good faith. Meanwhile, Carl says Fiskin should have been responsible for traveling to California and paying the release fee. What's more, Carl believes he is owed $500,000 by Fiskin for locating the original part in the first place. <laughs> 
Well, finder's fee, Chris. Finder's fee. At present, it's undecided whether Fiskin is actually owed the gearbox or if Carl should be on the receiving end of a half million dollar payout. The judge is reportedly days away from the decision. Come on. At this point, you're just squabbling. A $44 million car that isn't worth $44 million without the original gearbox, mind you. Because that Just ge- pay the $500,000. What's the gearbox worth? $4 million or something? What is a gearbox worth in a $44 million right, car? Right, exactly. Makes no sense. At present... Um, now, obviously, I should say these are big numbers. So $500,000 is not peanuts. But in relation to a $44 million car, just <laughs> pay the damn $500,000. 500,000 of a 44 million dollar car is what 1%? Something like that. Like just yeah. But it's still big money. I mean, I guess I can't tell the guy. We'll just walk away from the 500,000. No, but my what point was the car is going to be devalued without that part. It is. It is. So by but, more than 500,000. All right. So as for the 250 GTO, it wears cha- uh, so the judge is reportedly days away from a decision. Sure. So we'll have to report back on what happens, but Okay. The car itself. The car itself wears chassis number 3387 GT and was one of just 36 ever built when it was sold in october 2017 the prancing horse earned the title of the most expensive privately traded car in history having find, finished second in its class at the 1962 24-hour le mans along with 16 other podium finishes in 27 races so it is a highly winning car yeah it's it's awesome plus it's blue it performed exceptionally on track it's rare blue model that sheds a different light on the work of art than the normal red paint typically mm. seen on 250 GTOs as yeah. well as many other Ferraris. The blue if you're going to pay that much for it, though, wouldn't you want it the iconic red? No, it's cool that it's blue. Okay. There's some Ferrari Testarossas out there that are blue as well. They are cool because they're not white or red. It's They're, they're neat. I suppose that's the only thing I think of. So it sounds like he bought the car knowing it wasn't there and hoped it would be. Maybe he was told it would be, and now it isn't. And he probably told the next guy it would because he sold it on. And now the oh, guy no he kidding? sold it to wants the transmission. So now the the guy that he, the, the current owner of the car is pissing downhill trying to find the transmission of the car. So so much for British gentleman handshakes. We'll see what happens, and uh, we'll find out what happens with the five hundred thousand dollar gearbox situation. Wow. All right, Jake. I have potentially bad news from Jeep. Uh oh. It's a lofty claim, but Jeep is adamant it can become the greenest SUV brand in the world by 2022. What are they doing? By adding electrification to all models across its portfolio. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. Every other manufacturer is doing it. The bold claim was made to Australian journalists by Jeep Global President Christian Muner at the launch of the 2020 Jeep Gladiator in New Zealand. Here's the thing. I'm not upset about this because no engine in a Jeep is good. Like, they're not notorious for any of their engines. I'm upset, but for a different reason, and I'll I'll get there. Okay. When the Gladiator goes on sale in Australia late in the first half of 2020, it will bring the brand's range of five models. Who cares? According to Muner, all these models, as well as others... don't receive in Australia will feature either plug-in hybrid or battery electro, uh, technology by 2022. We want to make it more sustainable, an iconic brand, not only an off-road brand. Expand the capability of off-road into more on-road capability, all-weather capability, and fully sustainable. And I think that's why when I said we want to become the greenest SUV brand in the world, we mean it. And that is what the company is going to deliver. So let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Why does a brand want to be the greenest car Ever. I guess that's what they think people care about. Greta Thunberg and the rest of the people (laughs) banging away at global warming and climate change is why. It's feel-good bullshit. People will buy their electric Jeep and stop at their mailbox to pick up their Amazon package from the crap they got from China that was shipped over here on a stupid freaking 
barge right. running this crappiest bilge diesel and they're going to smile as they pull the door open to their mailbox yeah. in their electric jeep smug as hell thinking that they're doing something when they're not doing anything it doesn't matter all this stuff is stupid it's they're expensive all this stuff is making cars so middle class people can't afford them the entire industry is being turned on its head jobs are going to be lost just so we can all feel better about ourselves when the real problem the real problems that are going on that are causing any climate change completely go unaddressed it's hard to agree, disagree with you so you know, what are we doing why are we doing this we're just ruining everything obviously i'm i'm on board this is what's happening yeah. this is this is the way things are going fine but Take a second and step back and go, why is this happening? What are we doing? Why is a little 16-year-old girl flying to our country to tell us how horrible we are when the other side of the world is puking all over the environment, sending crappy trinkets that are made by children who are being tortured from China to your mailbox? What are we doing? This is totally backwards. Well, it is 100% marketing, and I can very easily prove that point right now. Chris, what is the greenest car? The most environmentally friendly, unwasteful car you can drive today, that you can buy today. The Tesla. No. I thought in my head the first thing that came to my mind was a Prius. No. What is it? Do you know what the greenest car you can have? What is it? The one you're already driving. Yes, because you're not requiring somebody to make one for you. Exactly. But who's saying that? Nobody. Nobody. The greenest car. If what you really care about is the environment, don't buy a new car. The greenest car you can buy, regardless of how much fuel it uses, is the car you're already driving. Because you're not requiring the resources to exactly. be spent. It's I've never I've never heard that point before, have you? No, no. No I one's making that point, but I don't think you can argue with it. Because imagine being able to just maintain your car. You're not waste I mean, how much waste is it to make the car, ship it over here and do Exactly. It's you would offset all of that waste by just keeping your I'm sure there's car. like a over time a, a I think push. it would have to be a long time you're probably right it's just I get frustrated with the hypocritical stuff of this because it's just a it bunch is marketing. of it's marketing and it's a bunch of people that just want a virtue signal that they're they want to uh, sell cars and make money doing it and right now they're seeing the way to do that is well we better get on the green train and they don't have a choice anymore mm-hmm. the, the the mold has been it has cooled they're already this is the way things are going to go. They have no choice, even though it doesn't make sense. We're doing the wrong thing. We're mm-hmm. attacking the wrong thing. Consumer. This is, I don't like China. Okay. And at consumerism and what Americans are doing with buying so much garbage from there yep. and then having it shipped over here on a boat and everything that's made there is junk. It's all made with Nothing there is is like renewable or recycled or anything like that. It's all trash. It's all made by people that are making five cents an hour while we're sitting here complaining that the guy down the street is making $8 an hour at Burger King. That's just not enough. I'm really upset about that. We got to pay that guy more. Well, some guy's jumping off a building in China because he feels like a slave, but yet you're buying the iPhone. What are we doing? It's it's ridiculous. And here's Jeep going, we're going to be the greenest company ever because Everybody's been brainwashed and manipulated into thinking this is going to fix everything, but it isn't. Yeah. And I think to underline your point and to clarify once and for all, we both love the environment, right? We're not saying we're not saying we're going to we're going to burn as much fuel as we can and do burnouts every day and waste tires. But just ask the question, how do you actually benefit the environment? It's not by buying more things. Just 
it's so frustrating that I, I'm, I'm upset that there's nothing I can do about it. I'm upset that this is the way things are going to go. And I'm upset that everybody's been brainwashed into thinking that this is it. And I think this all comes down to the core root of everybody hating petroleum companies. I think that's kind of where the inception of it started. I don't even think it's that deep. Because you have oil spills and everything. You don't think it's that deep? No. I think it's the loudest voices are the ones with money that are advertising to us. and We will believe that, take that, and we'll re- and people want to feel good about something, right? Exactly. Everybody wants to feel good and they think that they're doing something, even exactly. though they're not taking a deeper look at what you're doing. And I, I encourage everybody to just take a deeper look at what you're doing in, in your life. If this is something that matters to you, you know, the, buying the newest, greenest Jeep is not the way no. to do it. And I want to reiterate, the most environmentally friendly car you can buy is the one you're already driving. Well, now I feel bad because I want to get rid of my wagon. But if I get another used car, I'm safe, right? I'm not buying a new car with just a new... Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm okay. sure there's some science to that. <laughs> All right. So meanwhile, at Mercedes in Germany, uh-huh. last month, Daimler revealed a gulf between its current emissions of 138 grams. This is carbon emissions. Yep. 138 grams per kilometer and its target of roughly 100 grams per kilometer. So they're 40% over almost. Yeah. Yep. What we can't control is buyer behavior, but we have. The- <laughs> <laughs> what was I just talking about? <laughs> well, we can't control is buyer behavior, but we have the technologies within our portfolio to get within target range. Chief executive Ola, whatever, told investors in London last month. The German group is expected by many dealers to cut production of its most polluting models. And its crosshairs is the. Mercedes AMG range. There you it's go. high specification models that the supercar that have supercar acceleration and the body of a family saloon. I like the way that's put. Grandpa cars that also go fast. Family saloon. Grandpas don't have families anymore. <laughs> They're just with grandma driving around. Yeah. In Germany, they definitely have a different connotation. I will tell you that a different perception, even for me. So it's not a grandpa car in Germany. No, it's only a grandpa car here. Correct. Okay. a reduction of 75 percent in the availability of some models within the amg range is expected by several retailing executives who spoke on condition of anonymity (laughs) let me read that again a reduction of 75 percent in the availability of some models within the amg range is expected so you're saying no one's going to be buying these no they think no one's buying them and they're not going to make them anymore and they're not going to market them anymore, even though they say specifically, if they kill off AMG, it is a catastrophe for profitability mm. because that is there's yeah. margin there. That's a ton of margin Oh yeah. because it doesn't really cost much more money at this point for them to develop. No, they already have the chassis. They have the chassis. They have the technology. It's kind of all baked into the cake at this point. Yep. I'm just really, really disappointing. All right. Next story. Oh, come on! (laughs) More? We finally have the Star Wars Porsche spaceship design, and it looks awesome! I can't believe I'm saying this. It it looks killer. It looks better than every spaceship that I've ever seen on mm. Star Wars. Name a one that looks better. Don't say the X-Wing. No, no, no. No, the the yellow one from Episode 1. Yeah, that thing's pretty cool. Yeah. That thing's. I'm not a super Star Wars nerd, but I have been watching all the Star Wars with my kids. Have you? Yeah, just watching them all at once in the last two weeks. So what I'm like, order super, are you watching them? Um, so we watched the uh, the the prequels. No, the the prequels in the middle, and we watched the originals first, and then we watched uh, the new ones last. Okay. So we kind of did them in the order, the order they, were, they were released. Yeah, which I think is good. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so Porsche is jumping on the hype train in anticipation of the new Star Wars film, which we know. Mm-hmm. Um, the ship is the 
uh, Porsche Tri-Wing S91X Pegasus Starfighter. So are they going to call it a Porsche in the movie? This We don't know if it's going to be in the movie yet. We okay. don't know. So it, it might have just been a whole marketing stunt. Well, it was come all on, a marketing dude, what you, Yeah, stunt. exactly. But... The I want to know if it's going to be in a movie. The ship needed to incorporate design elements from Porsche vehicles and diehard Porsche fans might like spot. Like what? Let me read it. Like what? The side profile of the Pegasus is 911-esque. Oh, come on. I want you to... Are you looking at the picture of it? Yeah. It's 911-esque, the side profile. Do you think it is? No. Featuring the elongated teardrop silhouette essential to the brand's most beloved sports car. The air intake light combo on the Pegasus has been plucked straight from the Taycan's headlight I design. did notice the four headlights. Yep. While the daytime running Which lights that flank no the No other Star Wars ship has headlights. Why does a starship need headlights, Chris? <laughs> Maybe when it's docking. Okay. I have no idea. Um, they have daytime running lights that flank the front. <laughs> Not that kind of docking, you <laughs> sick bastard. <laughs> that flank the front fascia on the most Porsche models have been fascia, replaced with. Chris, fascia, Chris. Fascia. Fascia. You're right. Um, with blaster cannons. A five-foot version of this will be on display at the premiere in Los Angeles. Cool. I would really like to see that five-foot one. How cool would it be to get that for the studio? They should have made a full-size one. I want to see a life-size one. That would be really... Because someone made a full-size X-Wing, you know? Yeah, but that's oh, that's major nerd territory right it there. It was massive. There's no nerds that are willing to make one of these. Yeah. All right. So the Eastern guys have really... The manufacturers have really been pulling it together lately. Right. You're saying it like really... Mazda has got their program the going on. Stuff. The JDM stuff. Korean stuff. Hyundai is doing I good stuff. I suppose we got to call it Eastern now. Yeah, it's kind of Hyundai Eastern. and the, the Kia. Because I had it written as, oh, the Japanese brand. I'm like, oh, well, no, it's a little bit more than that. Okay. So Japanese car maker Honda pays tribute to two decades of a, its high-revving roadster by updating a car it hasn't made for a decade. A heavily updated Honda S2000 will re be revealed at the 2020 Tokyo Auto Salon. We should go to the Tokyo Auto Salon. That would be fun. Okay. Um, despite the fact that Japanese Roadster has been out of production for 10 years. Yeah. Um, so basically, they, they redid it. They redid the suspension, redid the engine. But sadly, there's no suggestion that Honda will reintroduce the production of the S2000, even in limited edition form. So it's just going to be a concept Instead, car. it's thought Honda plans to offer the new S2000 upgrades as dealer fit parts for existing owners. So basically, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the Honda S2000 was famous for its F20C four-cylinder VTEC engine that pushed out as much as 184 kilowatts. Come on, Australia. Can we just use horsepower? <laughs> I don't know what 184 kilowatts is. This is... Which at the time was the highest specific output of any normally aspirated engine. Right. The two liter also thrived on revs, revving to a stratospheric 9,000 RPMs, something even contemporary Ferraris were incapable of, to be fair. Which those is are why the F20C is better than the F22 engine. Why is that? Because the F22 was a bigger engine, a little more power, but it didn't rev. Ah, okay. Well, I just thought that was interesting. That yeah, that is cool. Um, so stupid Tesla news of the week. Okay. There's always seems to be something Tesla oriented um, that comes out. So uh, they're really trying to break even. You know, they have their carbon credits thing, and then they take $200 deposits on a truck and all this different thing, or $100 <laughs> yeah. deposits. Um, so you know what that they can do the OTA updates, right? The over, over the air, the air updates yep. for your software in your car. Right. So they're really going to take advantage of this. After some Model 3 owners spotted a text referring to an, quote, acceleration boost option when pouring over their car's profiles, Tesla has made the update available but not for free. That is correct. This is not a free update. Instead, Tesla charges $2,000 to unlock quicker acceleration. The new upgrade will be for the uh, Model 3 vehicles with dual motor configuration. It shaves half a second off the 0-60 to 60 time, according to Tesla. Right now, the Model 3 with dual motors will just 
dispatch the run in four and a half seconds. The update takes the time down to around four. Tesla did not respond to requests for comment on the update, but owners took to Reddit to share their experiences after downloading the update. No regrets. Took it for a short drive. And yes, it's a notable, notable difference. Posted user Dope Weasel. <laughs> Come on, man. There's no way some dorky nerd is going to be able to decipher between four and a half and four seconds, zero to 60 yeah. times. How much do you think that is in horsepower terms? I'm just the acceleration when you're in the four second range is disorienting. If right. you're, it, it is really, really, really fast. And you start to get down there. I, I find it hard to believe anybody but a professional is really going to be able to notice. I think a difference that's there. significant, though. A half a second, zero to sixty. I think you would feel that. You think so? Yes, I do. Just think about how, when you think of going to sixty, how short half a second is, though. I don't know. I'm not sure anybody. I don't well, know. I don't know that dope weasel. You is, don't think dope weasel? Think You're dope not giving weasel. him credit. Yeah. So this seems like a plan deal to get more money out of people. Oh, 100 um, percent. What do you? <laughs> <laughs> Chris, is the sky also blue? I think. So, what's the cost of battery life and the motors? Right. With this type of stuff, so I started looking into because we noticed that the Taycan only has 200 miles range. The e-tron has yeah paltry range too. And I started looking into why. And some of the concepts that people came up with is that a lot of the energy used is to keep things reliable. Whether it's cooling systems, they don't run the motors the same. There's a lot of different reasons why, which we may not find out for years as these cars get up in miles and stuff like that, right. what what really ties into why the range is better. Um, so it's, it's better than what BMW was up to, right? I mean, they were going to charge you for CarPlay. So at least we don't have to. <laughs> That's right. At least we don't That's have true. to deal with that. So Indiana uh, police have arrested a car thief. Okay. You'd think someone driving a stolen car would be careful not to draw extra attention to themselves. But that's where you'd be wrong. Oh, no. Always, right? Oh, I'm no. surprised this isn't Florida. An Indiana auto thief is proof as he was arrested for trying to deceive police with a handmade license plate written in crayon on a folded paper grocery bag. Wait, so the car, he removed the license plate. Yes. Assuming, so he thought, oh, they're going to track me by license plate, right? right? So he has the forethought to be like, all right, I got to take that off. But then he had the thought, well, it needs a plate, though, right? I got to get my little sister's crayons. So out. I'm going to write one with crayons and cardboard. <laughs> state, no, a grocery bag. Even paper. better. State police in the Midwestern state arrested 22-year-old Joshua Anthony Moron Brown after they <laughs> responded to a Toyota Corolla in need of roadside assistance for a flat tire. Wait. <laughs> So he got a flat too? He got a flat it tire. wasn't even from the license plate they caught him? He got a flat tire and the police showed up because he was on the side of their own <laughs> flat tire. When they arrived at the scene, they noticed that the Corolla had the makeshift license plate. And before they requested a tow, they ran the car's vehicle identification number. Upon that inquiry, the authorities learned that the Corolla was reported stolen 400 miles away. <laughs> the Corolla's owner reportedly left his car unlocked and running when he went for a brief pickup at a local convenience store. Mm -hmm. That's when Brown supposedly made off with the sedan. Brown, who's originally from Rochester, New York, was arraigned and faces felony charges for possession of stolen property and terrible ideas <laughs> and a misdemeanor charge for driving without a state issued license. He already had a record for grand larceny and was on probation at the time of his arrest. You're on probation, guy. Okay. You're on probation yeah. and you steal a car that's running and then you, and you I, hold on and you get away with it. You do basically get away with it. You've left with the car. It is yours for the time being for and you, 400 miles. Like he got away with it and took a so, road trip. So he calls roadside assistance. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> well, At just that point, just run away from the just car, dude. It. Just leave. Hop the fence. Run oh, away. My goodness. Wipe it down with your shirt. Get rid of the fingerprints just, and just oh, my run goodness. away. 
In light of this particular circumstance, the Indiana State Police would remind all motorists that leaving your vehicle unattended with the engine running and doors unlocked is never a good idea. Wow. All right. So, and and, and on that news, on that note, I think we're going to go. I do have one question for you, Chris. Yes, sir. In light of recent episodes that I've been listening to while I've been gone, I want to ask you, how, what, what would you call someone who drives a person around? A chauffeur. Oh, how do you say it? A chauffeur. A chauffeur. A chauffeur. Chauffeur. We're getting that criminal, Mr. Camber. Chauffeur. All right, chauffeur. I said chauffeur. I have seen comments about your mispronunciation, sir. All right, Captain Camber. <laughs> so on Friday, we have uh, Evie West is going to be on the podcast. Very cool which episode. Is, is, uh, they do all the electric swaps out in California yep. and 9-11s and other things. So we've got him on to kind of you know tell us how this works because I'm admittedly ignorant. I don't get it. I don't. We learned a few things. Yeah, we definitely did. Um, why don't you guys head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Five bucks. That's it. You can get exclusive content. Support the show. If everybody did this and put five bucks on, we could go to the Tokyo Auto Salon and yeah, report from there for you guys. That would be <laughs> you awesome. Know, and Chris, you made the comment. Someone was like, oh, yeah, I should probably do that. And you said, well, it's just one, it's one Red Bull that you don't have Red to drink Bull. a month. Yeah, or one and macchiato. you know why you don't have to drink that? Because they're listening to us. Yeah, Jake you're, will get you hyped You're up. so enthused, man. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, we're going to let you guys go. We will see you on Friday. Take care. <laughs>